0: Hey, welcome to a Zion People podcast. I am Keelan, an intern at Zion Church, and this is our latest message. The team here hope the message challenges you, inspires you, but most of all, builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Right, faith, (laughs) the final frontier. Uh, It sounds like Star Trek with a lisp. Uh, So, we've been talking about faith this morning uh, in lots of different ways, um, and uh, when we think about this life of faith, we need to realise that it is the frontier for the Christian. It is the place where the rubber meets the road. Uh, we think of the uh, think of the New Zealand pioneers who left everything uh, from their their home in England, uh, who who travelled halfway around the world uh, to come to a place. Uh, that they hadn't seen before to start something new. There was new possibilities, new ways of doing things. They had to leave the comfortable behind, and they had to come to a place to carve out a new life. They had to leave behind what was normal, and that was frontier life. There were good times, but there were hard times. This was pushing the boundaries of the empire out into the world. And for the Christian... It's the same. We're pushing the boundaries of the kingdom out into the world. And life on the frontier is not comfortable. Life on the frontier is not easy, but we are called to live a life of faith. You might uh, relate to this story. There's a man named Jack. He's uh, taking a stroll along the uh, cliff top one day and he falls. He accidentally slips. He gets too close to the edge and he falls and he starts sliding down the cliff face and he manages to grab hold onto this one branch that's sticking out of the side of the cliff. Uh, now he realises that he's, there's no way he's going to be able to climb back up. He glances below him, and there's another thousand foot drop to the valley floor. So, there's no way he's getting down. So, what can he do? The only thing he can do is he can start yelling for help. So, he said, help, help, is there anyone up there? Hoping that somebody will come along and throw him a rope. And he hears this voice, Jack, can you hear me? And of course, he's, he's overjoyed. He says, Yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. And he hears this voice again, I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Well, yes, I'm okay, but who are you? Where are you? I am the Lord, Jack, and I am everywhere. (laughs) The Lord? You mean God? That's me. So Jack starts, God, please help me. I promise if you'll get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. I might even throw some money in in the offering plate at church let's take it to the next level and God says easy on the promises Jack hey uh, let's just get you down from there and we'll talk about it now here's what I want you to do I want you to listen carefully and Jack's like anything anything Lord I'll oh, just tell me what to do and I'll do it okay says God let go of the branch what yep you heard me let go of the branch just trust me I've got this there was a long moment of silence. And finally, Jack yelled, Help! Help! Is there anyone else up there? <laughs> is that the life of faith that you think, you know, you're just holding on and God is telling you to let go and you're going, Yeah, is there option two? Is there <laughs> plan B? Surely there must be another way out of this. And sometimes that feels like our life of faith. That feels like our journey. We want to say yes to God, but what if he asks us something that's too difficult for us. Uh, We decide to look elsewhere, or we decide that maybe we haven't really heard from God at all. Maybe it's not uh, the plan that God has for us. Maybe if we wait long enough, he'll come up with another plan. Uh, That is our life of faith. Henry Thoreau, the eccentric philosopher and poet, once said, if I seem to walk out of step with others, it's because I'm listening to another drumbeat. Christians should be walking out of step with others because we're listening uh, to another drumbeat. So what is faith? That's really what I want to uh, talk about this morning. What is faith? I'm looking at Hebrews 11. If you wanted to head there, we'll get there eventually. Uh, but before that, I say what is faith? Faith is one, uh, something that's often misunderstood and misapplied certainly uh, by many. Faith, for instance, is not positive thinking. That's something quite different. Faith is not a hunch that we have that we follow. Faith is not hoping for the best, hoping that everything will turn out all right. Faith is not a feeling of optimism. Uh, Faith is not leaping and then praying that God will catch you on the way down. Uh, Faith is none of those things, but they've all been identified as faith in various ways uh, over time. Just like everything else, faith begins in God. In Mark 11, Jesus said, uh, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Have faith in God, and we can throw mountains into the sea. Now, that sounds pretty reasonable. Unless you're a skier, of course, in which case maybe you don't want to do that. Uh, in the NIV, it says, have faith in God. And in the King James, it says, have the faith of God. The question for you this morning is which one is correct? Do we have faith in God or do we have the faith of God? When Jesus said, well, if you have it, you will be able to throw a mountain into the sea. So maybe it would be, if we could be clear on just exactly what that is. That would be good for us. Yeah? Well, in actual fact, it's both. Both are correct. You see, faith is a funny word in that construction. uh, When Jesus said, have faith in God, uh, it's in in a form called the objective genitive, uh, which everyone says, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, sure. Okay, moving on to Hebrews 11. Uh, Perhaps I should just unpack this a little bit for those couple of people who who don't understand that. Uh, So, this idea of having faith in God is that God is both the object of our faith and also the source of our faith. So when the King James says, have the faith of God, it's something that comes from God to us. God deposits faith in us. That God is the source of our faith. Okay? But then when the NIV says we should have faith in God... That deposit that God has placed in us, that source, that faith comes from the source, from God, so that we can have faith in God. He's both the source and the object. That's what objective genitive means. It doesn't mean that faith in is something that we stir up within ourselves. It's a deposit that God has placed within us that we then have the opportunity to activate. We take that deposit and we either leave it alone or we do something with it, but the choice is ours. Oftentimes we get this idea that faith is something, well, if I can just stir up enough faith. I saw this so many times. I think I've told this story before. In Kenya there was a guy who was praying for a white Mercedes. It was just one of those things, and he would go around all day saying, white Mercedes, white Mercedes, white Mercedes. He was stirring up this faith within him. Because whatever you ask in my name, it shall be yours. Well, where did that faith come from? You see, if it comes from him, it's of no avail. If that word that God had, if God had placed a word in his heart that said, you will have a white Mercedes, and then by faith he activates it, great. But if not, then he's missing the first part. He's missing the source, the source uh, of what's going on. Just a little bit of a, uh, a background to, uh, to uh, Julie and my story. We took a step of faith in 1999, 20 years ago. Seems like only yesterday. You can look at me and say, no, it wasn't only yesterday, Craig. You're living in the past. All right. Anyway, so in 1999, uh, I resigned from a well-paying job and moved to Australia with four children and Julie. Just as well, Julie was there, because me with four children, that would have been a disaster. Uh, Ashley was five at the time. Our youngest, Daniel, was just 13 months when we jumped on the plane. No job to go to. My holiday payout from work was enough to pay for shipping our possessions from New Zealand to Australia. That was it. So landing in Australia, no money either. The question you have to say was, was it reasonable? No. Was it wise? No. Were we ridiculed by people in the church for it? Yes. Yes. Was it God? Yes. That faith that we had deposited in our heart that God said go, and now is the time to go, was something that we activated. Could we have stayed in New Zealand? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, we had a specific word. If you don't go, you will not see the blessings poured out upon you. So it's okay, we're radio then. So, but still the choice, the choice was ours. What is faith? Faith is saying yes to God regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. One of the things as we go through, and oftentimes we talk about faith as getting what we want. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. In fact, most people would translate that as confidence is faith in what is sorry, faith is confidence in what I hope for. That's how we use it faith is confidence in what I hope for, because that's what the writer of Hebrews was saying there. Of course, the we there was just narrow it down, it's just a promise for me. Yes, and yet, when you read through the rest of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Were these the things that people would say, you know, if I had to pick one thing in the world, I'd pick worldwide flood. I'd pick, um, you know, uh, uh, being sworn in two. I'd pick going into a strange land. Yet These aren't the things that people would pick. So what is the faith? What is the hope that we have? What is the confidence? It's maybe something a little bit different. So Hebrews 11 called the hall of faith Uh, Sometimes people preach, like to preach out of Hebrews 11 because they're all really good stories. You just need to leave off the last four verses uh, because it gets a bit depressing then. uh, People lived in caves by faith. Uh, People were sawn in two by faith. Uh, People didn't see the promise that God promised them by faith. And you go, "Well, uh, well, hang on, back, 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 back a little bit. People received their dead, their loved ones back from the dead. That's by faith. Yes, I'll take that piece. But that's not really what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Uh, So if you have your Bible, you can look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in the first uh, six verses and miss out three of them, just to make it a little bit shorter. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then we have some examples there of uh, by faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. And in verse 6, it carries on and says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And as we go on through the rest of the passage in Hebrews, we get a lot of examples of, of people who were operating in faith. And in verse 7, what Janet was talking about this morning, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Do you think that Noah was sitting there one day and he's saying, oh, I just have this crazy idea. I think I should, I'd love it if the world got flooded and everybody I know is killed. I'm going to believe that in faith. It doesn't really make sense, does it? When we talk about faith as an act of obedience of something that God has de- deposited in our heart, now it makes sense. Because that's taking what God has said and seeing it at work, that's the activation of faith. Not, I have to come up with something in my own mind and just believe strongly enough for it to, for it to happen. Whatever you ask in my name. Well, how do we pray in Jesus' name? Do we just tack in Jesus' name on the end when we moved to Australia, Julie and I with the young family, what did we hope for? Did we see thousands of people come to Christ? A, wide, a nationwide revival? You probably would have read about that in the news. The answer is pretty clear. Uh, did we... Did we uh, uh, were we hoping for a flourishing congregation? Were we hoping for a wealthy church? Well, none of those things. God said, go... So we went. What did we hope for? We hoped to see God glorified. That's what we hoped for. And that's what we saw. And after 10 years in Australia, uh, I remember uh, preaching a sermon saying, was it all worth it? As we left Australia and not came back to New Zealand, but headed off into other stranger places than, Canada, uh, than Australia, that was Canada. Uh, was it successful? Well, if you ask yourself, was it successful comp- uh, as the world measures success? And the answer was no, it wasn't. But God measures success completely differently. God measures success by your level of obedience, not how well the outcome turned out in the natural. And so was it successful? Absolutely. It might be said that faith starts with a sense of discontentment. You see, we, we first look at faith as being a confidence in what we hope for. But if there is nothing to hope for because we already have it all, where does faith live? Faith starts with that sense of discontentment. Uh, I like uh, 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 U2 and the way it says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And people slam that song. as a Christian band saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Obviously, not Christian. I haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe there's more in Christ for me. I believe that I can be better. I believe that there's more. And unless I believe that, why am I going to activate faith? If I say I've already arrived, why am I going anywhere? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Faith starts with that sense of discontentment. You can never have much faith unless you are dissatisfied with the way you are and are longing for something better in christ being comfortable and wanting to remain comfortable makes it difficult to exercise faith imagine those pioneers as they you know sat in england and said hey i like life here should we get on a ship and sail for three months halfway around the world and leave all everything that we know and love behind no well i'm comfortable here someone else will go And for many Christians, that's the problem as we get too comfortable. We say, hey, God has done a lot for me and I'm okay here. A complacent spirit is always the enemy of faith. An attitude of self-satisfaction with the status quo. Uh, Paul said in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. He's talking about this life of faith. And you go, what? Paul hasn't laid hold of it? This man who turned the world upside down in his, with his ministry, he hasn't laid hold of it? Well, sure, because he knows there's something more. But one thing I do in verse 13, carrying on, he says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is always an upward call of God. It doesn't matter who you are. And I can, I can prove it to you. We just need to go down to the river and see who can walk across the top, walk across the river on the top, and if you can't, then there is an upward call for you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Does anyone want to take the, take the test? Take the test. Uh, my dad used to say that if you run fast enough off the beach, um, uh, you can walk on the water. Uh, we tried for hours as kids to do that. Um, technically, he was right. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> yeah, had a mess with an eight-year-old. All right. Verse 6 puts it that he who would draw near to God, he who wants to come close to God must come in faith. There is this idea of moving that has our faith. Our journey to Australia uh, and also a similar journey in moving to Kenya was about drawing near to God. It wasn't about the outcome. It wasn't about being successful. uh, and, And realizing that was part of the growth Part of the, the stepping out in faith, the outcome that we had in our hearts was saying, hey, it's not about whether it's successful or not. It's about whether we're obedient or not, because obedience allows us to draw closer to God. Hope can be misplaced when our eyes are on our own desires, our dreams and our wishes, and we try to exercise faith in those things, we'd be disappointed. Now, God is gracious. I said at the start that faith is not leaping in then hoping that God comes in behind to lift us up. God is gracious. We make mistakes. God will bring good outcomes where we've had poor faith or poor motives. That's okay. But let's not be people who rely on that to say, I just exercise my faith outside of God and look what came to pass. So that's confidence and hope. What are we hoping for? What is our hope? Our hope is found in Jesus Christ, not in anything else. The second part of faith, it talks about the assurance of what we do not see. The assurance of things not seen. Now, oftentimes people will say, well, think about that white Mercedes. You you look out into the driveway, you don't see it, and therefore you exercise faith. I'm going to try and maybe put a little bit of a different spin on it this morning, uh, because we an awareness or an assurance or a confidence of the things not seen is really the fact that we are surrounded by an invisible spirit kingdom and that which is seen is not the whole story. That which we can touch, we can feel, we can smell, we can hear, we can taste, that's not all of it. And when we realize that, we're set free from what the things, the physical things that we can see. This spirit kingdom uh, that we're talking about is very real. Richard brought the, wo- uh, the word about the blood of Jesus washing us clean of sin. As I look around the room, I don't see it. I don't see the blood of Jesus dripping off everybody here. I don't see it in the natural. So how can we believe it? Because it's what's not seen, which is where our assurance is. In fact, it goes further than that. That which is real is only made real by the things which are not seen. God is spirit, and we worship Him in spirit and in truth. The reality of who we are is not seen in the physical, but our physicality is made real because God is in control, because God, who is not seen, moves heaven and earth with us, for us. We understand that there is a spiritual kingdom and that our assurance is in the things not seen. If we go through life and we look at, you know, I do this so I get that, in the physical life, then we've missed the point. Oftentimes, as we pray in the spirit, what happens? Don't know. God says pray, we pray. Did it work? Did it not work? Did something change? When we, when we talk about going into a place and shifting atmospheres, can I get out my, you know, my, uh, my meter and have a look and say, oh, look, those, here, barometric pressure went up a couple of notches. Yes, we shifted the atmosphere. No, it doesn't work that way. There's no multimeter of faith. It would be very handy sometimes. You check people at the door. It says, your your faith is a little bit low. You better go on charge for a few hours. Uh, Listen to a couple more worship songs. Anyway, the whole thing is that all of the things that we do are because of the unseen realm, because of the spiritual dimension of who we are. If I talked about our move to Australia and said, well, it was because I was... Going to get a better job. Did I get a better job? Yes. But there was a whole series of things that happened before that that would you would say, Why are we here? What is happening? Doubt creeps in. Did we make the right decision? Did we hear God right? Why? Because there was nothing in the real world that was changing, and yet we realized that in the spiritual things were happening. He who draws near to God must believe. That he is. We think of the, the ministry of Jesus and the fact that he walked uh, as though God was right next to him. God the Father, which he was. I only do the things which I see my Father doing. You know, I'm sure the, at that when he said that, the disciples were looking around going, what's he doing? Well, Jesus, as far as he was concerned, he was seeing what his Father was doing. I only say... What I hear my Father saying. The disciples are like, maybe you could speak a little louder. But Jesus could hear it. That unseen realm is where our confidence is, where our assurance is. Uh, there are some who say that and actually believing in the spirit realm is difficult. Uh, but I would contend uh, that everybody starts out believing that God exists. That's what Romans 1 tells us. We have to train ourselves really, really hard to disbelieve God. We have to train our minds to consciously choose to say there is no God. It's much easier to say there is a God. Much less palatable for some people because that brings a whole set of consequences. If you say, well, there is a God, but I just don't want to follow him, you're sort of missing the point. But... When you look at children and you say, God exists, and they go, yep. No, no, no. Let, look, I, you just need to do a, you know, a, a theology degree to prove that God exists. and they, No, they just believe that God exists. In fact, it only comes later in life that you say, oh, is there really God? And where does that come from? It comes from the world. The atheists must claim to know everything before they can confidently say there is no God. But that doesn't, uh, doesn't stop them. And we look at this, these two aspects, this assurance or confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see when we look at a, a salvation. We look at Ephesians 2.8, and it says, for, for by grace you have been saved by faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, where's the source of our saving faith? From God. Do we exercise it? Absolutely. When we say, God, I believe what you have said. That measure of faith that you've deposited in my, far, in my heart, I will activate and be saved. But it goes on then. What happens when we get saved? There's a whole transaction in heaven that happens. We are adopted into the family of God. We are uh, cleansed from our sin. We are taken out of the darkness, uh, the kingdom of darkness, and we're moved into the kingdom of light. That all happens. Do we see it? Some people have this transformative experience where they go, I know the absolute point of salvation because I know when I was transformed. And other people say, yeah, not so much. Seems to be much the same. You're a new creation. Yeah, I don't feel like a new creation. I look at this body and I say, well, not much has changed. And yet we we say, well, the, the unseen things. That's where our assurance is in what we Do not see. The source of our faith, the gift of God, the object of our faith, the work of God. Faith is having confidence in what we hope for and that that hope is in God. It's having an assurance of what we do not see and that God who is unseen is moving, is doing things. So we need to sort of understand a couple of things uh, when we talk about our faith. First of all, it says in uh, 6, without faith, uh, Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Absolutely, because if you don't believe that God exists, why would you want to draw near to him? I'm going to draw near to that thing that I, doesn't, that I don't think exists. doesn't sort of make sense. So, so that first part was we need to know that God exists before we're going to step close to him. Absolutely. But what about the other part of it? And this is just as important. If we believe God, as we step close, is going to ignore us, will we step close? Why would we bother? If we see ourselves as just, you know, sort of this annoying, you know, uh, we, were, we were in uh, uh, Waikino yesterday. We were sitting outside the shop, and then, of course, you're always slapping your leg. Is this the sandflies are biting? You know, is that that how we see God? It's like, oh, there's another one, Christian. Why would you bother having a relationship with somebody who's going to ignore you at at, at best or punish you at worst? You're not. And so faith allows us to draw close because not only do we say he exists, but he rewards those who diligently seek him. Why do we come near to God? Because we know he wants us to. And as we come near to God, he draws close to us as well. That's that activation of faith. Uh, Some people say, well, is faith a progression? You see, when we talk about activating our faith, when we talk about stepping out in God, you can say, well, everyone's given a measure of faith. I can see that. Uh, And hopefully for most of you here, uh, certainly you've taken the next step, which is saving faith. You've you've taken that measure of faith deposit that Christ has put in you and you've said yes to him. And as Chris offered earlier, uh, if if, if that's not you or you're not sure, then you need to come up after the service and we can make sure. Uh, But what about the rest of it? And we say, okay, that's about as much faith as I had. Uh, After much prayer, fasting and commitment, we arrive at the point where we can make an axe head float or turn the Nile to blood. Now, it's easy to think about that as the case because then, in the natural, we start to think about, okay, there's a hierarchy. You see, a saving faith, that gets us in the door. But obviously, the rest of the progression is about righteousness. And so we can convince ourselves that I'm not the person who is righteous enough to make an axe head float. I'm not the person who's righteous enough To cast a mountain into the sea. And we limit God by our natural thinking, thinking that it's a progression. But remember, where does faith come from? God. Who do we have faith in? What's the moving power of faith? Where does the power come from? God. Faith is like us turning a key. It takes just as much effort to turn on a Mini as it does a Mack truck. you just got to turn the key. It doesn't matter whether the Mack truck has a hundred times more power than the Mini does. The effort required to turn it on is the same. And that's why faith is not a progression. It's a belief. When God deposits something in your heart, are you obedient to believe what God has deposited there and therefore activate it? It's not about your righteousness. If Christ has deemed you worthy to place that deposit in you, then surely he's deemed you worthy to access it. Uh, Which scares us silly because then we think, I should be doing a whole lot more than I'm currently doing. We think about salvation amazed the angels. I think it would take a lot to amaze an angel. And that that was the lowest level. That was saving faith. That was amazing the angels. Going on from there, I mean, it's all the same. It's not this progression. Don't worry about your level of righteousness in terms of what God can do with you and through you. That's not what faith is about. Uh, But we narrow our thinking. If we're really realistic as we look through Hebrews 11, if we look at the people who exercised their faith in, in momentous ways, then we see they weren't the super righteous they weren't christ in flesh they were normal people who had made terrible decisions most of them who did things wrong and yet by faith they were able to move forward now to be clear this is not a name it and claim it sermon okay this is not the blab it and grab it message this is not the conceive and receive church there are all ways that after you've been talking about this prosperity doctrine, this bless me doctrine. But it's not that. It's saying, what has God deposited in you? Are you going to activate it by faith? What has God deposited in you? And are you going to activate it by faith? Even though Jesus could walk on water, sometimes he took the boat. In Acts 8, Philip was snatched away after converting the Ethiopian eunuch and he found himself at Azotus, uh, sometimes called Ashdod, probably some 50 kilometers away. Imagine how much walking Jesus would have saved if he just said, hey, I'll do it that way. You see, it's not about what we hope for. It's about being confident in our hope. It's not about what we don't see. It's about assurance of the things that we know are there that we don't see. Jesus could feed 5,000 men and women, and he still sent the disciples into town to buy some food. How about you plan the meal today, Jesus? There are times for the miracles, and there are times for not. And those times are what Jesus uh, wants us to be uh, sensitive to. But living on the frontier is about pushing back the boundaries. And those boundaries are boundaries in your life, not boundaries in God are boundaries in your thinking, not boundaries in God's power, okay? And it's not boundaries in your righteousness or your ability. It's boundaries in your faithfulness and your obedience. One of the quickest ways to destroy faith is to compare yourself to other people. As soon as you say, I'm not as spiritual or I'm not as qualified or I'm not as righteous or fill in the blank as those people, whoever those people are, why would God use me? You've turned off faith. The question for you this morning is, what is God calling you to activate your faith in today? What is the deposit that God has placed in your heart that you're saying, I can't do that? The word from God, the first half of the equation is there, but you're saying, no, that's too big, that's too much, that's too difficult. For me to do it. And God's saying, I didn't didn't ask you to do it. I asked you to do it in me. And there's a difference. What is the word that God wants you to activate by faith? By By faith, all things are possible. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is the final frontier. That's where the boundary is. That's where comfortable ends and life begins, by faith. So, if you want to uh, receive something of faith this morning, if you feel that you want prayer in that area, if you want to uh, come, as Chris uh, invited you earlier, uh, to come and talk about the, the um, uh, activation of your salvation, the confidence, the assurance of what is not seen, uh, then feel free to come. If you want prayer about that still, small voice uh, that Pastor Phil talked about, and you're saying, hey, I'm having trouble hearing uh, with all the clutter and all the things that are going on, then why don't you come and receive prayer for that this morning? So as I uh, pray and finish off, I just encourage you to, if God has deposited something in you, in any of those words this morning, if something has resonated in you, then don't just let it sit idly by but by faith appropriate what god has deposited in you let's pray lord we thank you that you are a gracious god that you you take us to places that we uh, could never have known without you lord i pray lord that we would have that confidence in you as our hope that that destiny that you have for us in eternity is where we know and we place our assurance uh, Lord, I pray you would even give us, give us a revelation of the spirit realm. Let us see what is going on. Let us see you moving, even when we don't feel it. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would conceive exactly what you want. And, Lord, it's not tied to the natural. And, Lord, I pray that we would be, we would be people who just say yes to you. By faith, we step out in obedience because you have deposited something with us within us. And, Lord, we thank you that you are an awesome God. Gracious God, understanding that you want us to draw near to you in all things, in all seasons, let us draw near to you. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our message and it inspired you. Stay connected and get amongst our family. Find us on Facebook, YouTube or our app, We Are Zion People.